0: You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Guilderland, New York. Now, here's Pastor Dan. Happy New Year's Eve! Our sermon today is about friendship. It's based on uh, the interaction between David and First Samuel and his uh, Samuel or Saul's son Jonathan. Right, they were very good friends, and we're going to look at their story and talk about what that what's going on there. And at this time of year. Uh, classic holiday movies are on all the time and uh, uh, one of my particular favorites is It's a Wonderful Life and as I I didn't watch it this year I just saw a little bit of it um, but the if you're familiar if you're not familiar with the story, I'm gonna share a little bit if you're familiar pardon me I need to catch everyone up to speed a little bit it's about a guy in a small town named is George Bailey um, he's kind of everybody's go-to and you need when they need help he's very you know uh, self-sacrificing he gives uh, gives away his college money to his brother to go do his things and stuff like that and along the course of the way he takes over the family business which is a, a building loan company helping people build houses and throughout the course of his life you, you see him you know from a, a young man about to go off to college till someone with uh, you know kids of you know 10 12 years old that, that span of his life and gets married obviously in there and uh at, at some point, his kind of daffy uncle loses a big bank deposit, and uh, things are going down. He's, he's going to go to jail, all this other stuff. And uh, he gets desperate and wants to kill himself. And uh, the story is that God sends an angel to help him out and shows him how good he's made everybody's life. And at the end of the, the movie, the whole town rallies around George. But the, uh, you know, just the, the charm of that, the friends that came around rallied around him. That, you know, when, what, it, what it said there in the book, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Right, uh, that's a great story. And we're going to see uh, David's friendship with uh, Jonathan here, how it impacted his life. And I want us to all think about how our friends have impacted our lives and what that means to us as followers of Jesus. Okay, so that, that's kind of where we're going today. Um, I got a lot of Bible verses to read to you. I apologize. I here I'm apologizing to church for reading Bible verses. What's my problem? What is my problem? It's a lot, though. And, and it gets kind of, without, without, Jonathan and David's exchanges here, this is kind of like, why am I talking to you? Okay, so I apologize for that. Uh, the, I'm going to start in First Samuel 19, read a few verses. I'm going to hop around through this segment. There's a lot of story here that I'm not going to get into. I'll just give you a synopsis when I need to. But I, I want to give you the background with really focusing on, on uh, David and Jonathan. Starting in verse nine, or chapter 19, verse 1. And Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself, and I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. If I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of his David father. Hold on. I'm going there. Sorry. Make sure I'm reading there. I don't want to read too much. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine, and the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel, you saw, and rejoiced. Why then do you sin against his innocent blood by killing David without... Did I, am I reading the right thing here? Yeah, I did. Okay. I'm, I apologize. George Bailey's got me a little wired up here. And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was at his presence as before. Then I'm going to skip ahead to uh, chapter 20 and read from there, starting in verse 1. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah, and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt, and what is my sin before your father, that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far, be, far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It, it is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan, Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit at the table with the king. But let me go, that I may hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly ask leave of me to run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. If he says good, it will be well with your servant, but if he is angry, then know that harm is determined by him. Therefore deal, ki- therefore deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, will I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out in the field. Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow, or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan more also, if I do not disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. I am still alive. Show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I might not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of his enemies from David, enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. And then they go on from there to make a kind of elaborate scheme of how they're going to trade information. It's kind of, that's where I'm not going to read all that to you, but they, they make a plan so that Saul or Jonathan can tell David what's going on. And I'm going to skip down to verse uh, 41 in the same chapter. turns out, as many of you know, Saul had it out for David. He was going to get him, okay? In fact, he tried to kill his own son in the middle of this. Uh, verse 41, they, Jonathan gets the point across to David he needs to go, and this is... Uh, Just the end of that conversation. And as soon as the boy had gone, this is verse 41, as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. That between me and you is not like separating them, but connecting them. That, that's sometimes hard to understand there. And I read one last piece out of uh, their last conversation in uh, chapter 23. It's in verse 16. This is the last time they met. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh, strengthening his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul. my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horesh and Jonathan went home. So in the middle of all that were several instances of uh, David and Saul kind of running into each other and, and David really, many times, he left Saul alive and let him know that he left him alive. He was not trying to harm Saul. And Saul kept being as crazy as Saul was and trying to kill him. So that, that's kind of the storyline behind this. In the middle of all that, Jonathan was faithful to David. He was a faithful friend. You can see the words they shared of the love and, and the tears that they shared in, in terms of, they knew this wasn't gonna work out, right? That things were gonna end badly. Uh, Jonathan had, had strong words at the end that he's, David, you're gonna be king and I'm gonna be with you, but that, you know, I, spoiler alert, that didn't happen. Jonathan Jonathan was killed along the way. Um, so what I wanna just share here, briefly, really, the, there's three main ideas that came out of this in terms of, uh, that I saw out of this, in terms of the impact of friendship on, on uh, people who have friends, their their connection, and the first thing that comes from friendship is that you get help, right? The, um, the, the fact is Jonathan wanted to help David, and David needed that help. There was no doubt about it. I'm going to highlight a couple of the verses in there to, to show this. Um, in verse 19, chapter 19, verse 2, Jonathan told David, um, My father seeks to kill you. Saul, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard stay in a secret place and I'm gonna go talk to my father and I'll, tell, I'll deal with this for you, right? He, he stepped right in and said, I got this covered, I know you can't do it, so I'm gonna help you out there. And then in, in chapter 20, verse four, when they were conversing, Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you, right? He was just, whatever you need, buddy, right? I'm there for you, that kind of thing. And then, um, I, so I was thinking, that, that's obviously some places. there. I was thinking about some of the other places in, uh, in scripture where help is discussed. And, and this verse, this passage from Ecclesiastes came to mind. Um, that and I, I looked for one part of it, and then I read the whole thing like, this whole thing makes sense. Okay, so it's Ecclesiastes chapter four, starting verse nine. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up, and has help. And again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Good words from, from David's son, actually, Solomon, right? About the value of help and, and being together and things. So that's, that's one main issue that you get when you have friends is you get help when you need it. And you get to help others that need it, right? It's a, it's a, it's a um, good connection for people to be like that together. The second thing that I, I think comes out of this pretty clearly is um, you get encouragement. Okay, David was there feeling kind of down, as you can imagine. The guy who selected him to be, you know, his best guy, commander of his armies and stuff is trying to kill him now. And uh, this is not going well for David. This is this will put a a bad day. Someone messed up your Cheerios, you know what I'm saying? It's not good. Right. They 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 really gave it. David is down. And Jonathan's looking to ease that. You know, you you can see in his uh, tone towards uh, David that he's trying to, to lift him up. Again, a couple of things that come out of there uh, in, verse, in chapter 20, verse 13. But should it please my father to do harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan. More also, if I don't disclose it to you and send you away, you may go in safety. You know, I, this is going to be okay, and, I, and I'm putting this on myself. I'll take care of you. And may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. So David had seen Saul's victories in many cases, and it was one of the reasons you know, Saul was an attractive leader because he won victories. And that and was, you know, clear that God was in them in the beginning and, and helping them do stuff. And Jonathan said, this it's going to be like that for you, man. Don't, don't get down. I know it's down. I know you're down, but look ahead. It's going to be okay. He's encouraging him. And then at the, the, their last words together from Samuel, uh, for Samuel 23, um, you know, do not fear for my father shall not find you. You shall be king and I'll be with you. Saul, Saul knows this. He's telling us it's not going to turn out the way it you know, Saul wants it to. You're gonna, you're gonna win in the end. He's encouraging him, and lifting him up. So again, I started thinking about other places we see this in Scripture, and this one surprised me to see this, but I was really glad I saw it because it's like I think the epitome of this in Ruth, the book of Ruth, which is we hardly, I think we preached through it once, if I recall. We we, we did that a while ago, but you know, people don't refer to the book of Ruth, right? It's a, it's kind of hidden in the bowels of the Scriptures. But in uh, Ruth chapter one, the story there is that Ruth, uh, her Sons die, and her daughters, daughters-in-law, her husband and her sons die, and her daughters-in-law are kind of left with her, there, and they're from a different country. So it's kind of like, what are we going to do now, right? And Ruth is one of the daughters-in-law, and this is what Ruth said to her mother-in-law. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also. If anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi, Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. That's encouraging. I am with you till the end. How much better does it get than that, right? Um, and I'm going to stop here for a second because these two these two really go together. Helping and encouraging, it's tough to, to do one without the other, right? If you, if you help people, obviously that's a good thing. But if you don't use that opportunity to encourage them, you've kind of missed the boat a little bit, right? It's an opportunity to to, to lift them up out of the, the doldrums. And vice versa, if you only have encouraging words and can't help, that happens sometimes. Sometimes we can't help, right? That's real. But if you have the opportunity to help, the encouraging words can fall a little flat, right? So they, they kind of go together. And I've seen this in my own life, for real. Uh, my, the, the first church I was part of was uh, in Albany, and we didn't have a building. We, we met in the basement of another church and they, they were kind to us. They let us keep our stuff there, and we didn't have to set up and tear down a lot. But one, one day in the summer, I, was, I think I was teaching at the time. I can't quite. No, I, I, I don't think I had actually. I don't remember what I was doing. But I was off in the summer for some reason. And uh, the basement flooded that we were in. And I got a call from the, the people in the church to let me know what was going on. And they couldn't do anything about it either, and it was our stuff that was getting ruined, so I went to deal with it. And I was there by myself with a shop vac. It, the basement was probably, yeah about as big as this room here, roughly, give or take. And it's a couple inches of water. It's a lot of water. And I had a shop back. And I'm like, what am I doing with this, right? And the, I got the call, and then I called our pastor, and he he was out of town or something. I remember what was going on. And, but he did let somebody else know. And I was there for like half an hour, just like, this is, this is a lost cause, right? There's, there's nothing happening. And one of my friends showed up. Is actually the guy that ended up being the best man at my wedding. And we were really good friends. And... All of a sudden, that water was gone. And Brian didn't do a thing. He sat there and talked to me. But just being there, yeah, this is stinky, right? This is awful. But the, the shop vac didn't work any harder. Nothing changed. But all of a sudden, the job was done, right? That's just the impact of being around and helping and encouraging is the, if nothing else, passing time. But you know, nothing else, it, it, it puts people in a better attitude, right? That, that was very real for me that day. I, I, I would not believe that. I saw a very similar thing just recently, uh, in my life, but not me. kind of glad it wasn't me, actually. Um, one of my older sons bought a house just recently. We were there, with all, many of us uh, from the family were there working on it with him. It just needs a lot of work. It's what happens when you're young and you to buy a house, it needs a lot of work, okay? It's, it's, he, he bought into that knowing it, so it was good. But uh, it's an older house and it had plaster and lath, if you're familiar with that. And we had to take some of that down because it was just a wreck. And that stuff is like concrete, man. That is heavy. And he had two rooms that we had to do this in. And one of them, yeah, it was like a war zone because he had to take the ceiling down too. And we were walking on like four or five inches of rubble. You couldn't, you couldn't do it. And it got tasked to, you guys know him, Jacob and Joe, right? It got tasked to them to clean up the mess because they're the younger brothers. That's how it works, right? And uh, I felt bad for him a little. <laughs> I was glad it wasn't me. But uh, we, we got there and several of us got there. And Jacob and Joe were going to do this, okay? I hope they don't mind me calling them out because it's a good story. So I'm not making fun of them today. You wait, I'll get them. Um, and I think Jacob went with my son to do something else, like they had to go get something. So Joe was there alone doing this. And I had something else I had to do, so I couldn't really help him. And he's not happy. Not happy. I don't blame him. Stuff is heavy, ripping the bags, hard to do. And he got nowhere. Like they were gone for an hour or something. I'm like, he got nowhere. And I, I got it. I felt bad for him. And Jacob got back and they worked together. And again, Jacob's not any superman. You guys all know that. There, I got it in, I gotta make fun of him. Uh, but he just, they were working together and arguing his brothers will do, but they got their business done. And all of a sudden that room was empty in like a couple hours. I'm blown away. Just the two of them working together, how much better it was than one of them working alone. It's huge, guys. Working together with people makes a huge difference. And it really is a, it was, it, that was a life experience for me again to watch that and go, wow. I, 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 this is really true. It isn't just someone saying something from a stage, right? When you work together, it goes better. So that, that's very real, those things are real. Um, the third part of what I saw out of, out of this passage was the accountability that comes with having friends. This is not so much fun that we want to hear, right? Help and encouragement's great, I'm in for that. Accountability part, I don't know about that, that's a little tougher. So what you can see here, and, and this is very important, I'll refer to it later again. David went to Jonathan looking for accountability. Right. He wanted Jonathan to assure him that he wasn't off base, that he was doing things right. And at the end of it, if he wasn't doing things right, he wanted Jonathan to deal with it. He told him, you kill me, not your dad. Take care of this. OK, so in, in fact, uh, it's in First Samuel 20. I'll read that to you again. Uh, David fled and went to Jonathan. What have I done? What's my guilt? Was my sin before my father? He, and I don't think it was it, it's there, there's potential there for, hey, what have I done? Why are you bothering me? But as he finishes the statement, it's clearly, I think, not the defensive "What have I done?" But hey, what's going on here? Why is this happening to me? Uh, I want to fix it. Jonathan says, "You will not die." Um, and then later on, this in the in the conversation, this is David again says, "But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself." He wanted to be held accountable for that. He did not want to be guilty. And I think that, that exchange is important for us to understand what, what real friendship is, too. We have those conversations with each other. And then I was thinking about it, uh, going from you know, other passages in scriptures, and Proverbs 27 has three beauties. I mean, we've all heard them, I think. Okay. Anyone who's, even if you haven't read the Bible, you've heard some of these things. So there's three pieces of uh, Proverbs 27 that I want to share with you guys. And in verse 6 it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And then in verse 9, oil and perfume make a heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. And then 17, iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. As we interact with each other, these things are meaningful, right? The, uh, verse 6 especially, that, that's a real thing, right? You know when you have friends and they say something to you, they're not trying to get you, they're trying to help you, right? That's an important thing. People that either don't care or are out to get you, when they say stuff, you know they're gonna say stuff. They're, they're coming and swinging and that's fine. Your friends, those are faithful ones, right? They're trying to help you out. So that accountability concept is meaningful in terms of our friendships. So those are the things I see there and I, I wanna like, elaborate a little bit more but that, that's the, the platform I'm, I'm speaking from here is, is the fact that our friendships bring us help, encouragement, and accountability. If you have those things working then that's a benefit to you, right, and to everybody. But um, I, I wanna reference here a fact that I, I pulled all of these out of the Old Testament. And I did that on purpose, once I started thinking about how I was gonna approach this. The Old Testament, things that I shared with you, not exclusively, but for the most part, the Old Testament has a lot of stories, a lot of observations, ideas, suggestions, kind of uh, grandma's logic, if you want. You know, if you, look at, if you look at Proverbs, that's a lot of what that is. It's just comes common sense stuff from the, the wisest man in the world, okay? Um, I feel like I've just given you a nice self-help seminar, and I don't want to do that, right? That's an important thing to me, that we don't just hear this and say, oh, those are good ideas. And yeah, that that works out if I try that. That, That's not what the Bible is about, right? The Bible is about cutting to your heart and watching your life change, right? And, And the reason I'm bringing this up is because as we look in the New Testament for these things, there is not a lack of this stuff. There is a lot of this stuff. Way, so, way too many that I could put up here. I'd be, I felt bad reading to you the things I read already for the length of the time I spent. I'd be spending a whole, mo- whole lot more on that. There's just a ton of them. And the difference I noticed, generally, is that those do not take the observational form. They're pretty much commands. Pretty much, this is how we live, guys. This is how we live and treat each other. If you don't, you're messing up, okay? And it all sums up in one very simple verse. I, I, I was trying to think about all this, I'm like, that's plain and simple says it all. John 15. John 15, 12 and forward says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. Right? Very simple. He's told us how to behave. He's told us to love each other. These things incorporate into love very easily, right? Helping and encouraging and, and holding accountable, although it doesn't seem all that comfortable and loving, faithful are the wounds of a friend right that's the that's the reality when we're doing those things we're helping we're not hurting and it's hard it's hard hard to do that sometimes but the the reality is jesus died for us right when he did that he changed us if you if you surrender your life then he will change you and you will be more like that you will want to be more like that and you will be like that um it is not optional. It is not a self-help thing to say, well, if I behave this way, I'll get along better with other people and they'll treat me nice and I'll treat them nice and won't the world be a better place. That's not, that's not real because we can't do this, guys. It, at our hearts, we're generally not nice folks. I mean, we, we all can put on a pretty good face most of the time. Well, faces, I don't know, whatever. But, you know, we, we, we can try. We can try to put on a good face and be nice to each other. Eventually, we're going to fall down. Eventually, we're going to do something knuckleheaded, right? We're going to be mean. We're going to be short. We're going to be greedy, angry, lie, whatever. You, you fill in the blank on whatever it is we're going to do. It's going to happen. We're going to fall. And we're not going to be good friends. We will be bad friends that day, right? That's not good. So the reality is we need our hearts changed by Jesus and him dying, paying for our sins, and then God raising him from the dead in the face of that, right? Think about that for a minute. Jesus took our sins on us. On himself rather. And and he was facing God's penalty. And God raised him from the dead to prove that he will forgive. Right? And there's there's no no greater love than Jesus did that for us, and no greater truth that God raised him from the dead and showed us that we were forgiven if you'll surrender to him, right? And with that comes pretty significant life change. And hopefully in these areas today, at least this is what I'm talking about today. There's lots of areas to change in. But in these today, let's think about that. Okay? Um there I think there's two pretty simple ways that we can understand here, we need to be better to each other. It's that simple. As good as we are, and some of you guys are really nice, some of you aren't, I don't know, it just seems. Did I actually look at somebody? I didn't mean to do that. My apologies, my apologies. But really, you know, everybody I know in here is reasonably nice people, right? Nobody's a jerk, we're all, we're all good folks. But man, we mess up, we mess up. And, and God, God wants our lives to change. And, and it changes by us surrendering to Jesus. I just giving our lives to him and, and watching him do that. We need to be better to each other. Even starting from a good place, you need to be better. Two ways I can see that from this. First, I think we could all, as, as nice as you might be, it's always possible to be more helpful, to be more encouraging to the friends that we already have, right? And, and here's the hard one, to be more open to being held accountable and to have those conversations. That's a two-way street, man. It's not easy either way. It's not easy to call someone out, and it's not easy to be called out, right? And you know, it's just a reality that that's something that we need to do with each other to, to help, to encourage. When you see things that aren't right, see something, say something. I've heard that before, right? That kind of thing. Um, so with the friends we have already, we need to be more engaged in that, that kind of thing, helpful, encouraging, and, and, and you know, making sure that people are on the right path, and being able to hear when you're uh, not on the right path. And the second way to do that is to be this way towards more people, okay? Now, I, I am in no way pretending that we can have, you know, a hundred really good friends. That's not real, right? And in reality, look at Jesus' life, right? He had a whole bunch of people that followed him, 12 guys he called out to, to really follow him, and then three of those he spent a lot of time with. And that's God. God had three really good friends, so I don't know what our measure is, but we're not going to have hundreds of really good friends, and that's real, okay? But there's always room for having a helpful conversation, always room for a helpful deed, or always room for encouraging words, um, you know, and, and you just never know how much of those things impact each other. George Bailey had no idea how many friends he had, right, until the rubber met the road and they all showed up. That's real. Okay, that's that a story, but that's a real thing in life. People show up when, when you don't expect, right? Hopefully, hopefully you've experienced that. That's a really great feeling. Um, so it, it, we can be more like Jesus by being more helpful, more encouraging, and in a more accountable relationship with the people we know, being open to being accountable and uh, being willing to say something to other people. And then you can take steps towards others that you're not that close to just by being helpful and encouraging, right? The uh, accountability thing, though, with other folks, yeah, that, that's tough. No one likes to be told that stuff. In fact, I don't recommend you walk up to somebody you don't know that well and say, let me tell you what's wrong with you. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> that, that, that does not, that's not very friendly. <laughs> that's not nice. Um, I think you have to, you have to build in some, some relational equity to do that, which takes time, which is why we all don't have 100 good friends, right? It takes time to get to that level. Um, but I think that, that's, that's the reality. And again, I referenced it earlier, David went to Jonathan asking to be held accountable to, to see if his, his place was right in life. Um, it, that's hard, it's hard to do that. But I, I'm gonna challenge you to do that this year, to, to, to find someone you can connect with that you can be more open about, about what you struggle with. Um, in fact, in James, this guy James has got a lot of stuff that I don't want to hear, right? It's just that simple. He is he is a piece of work. But in James 15, 516, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um it, it was talking about people that were sick, but I think you can expand that to just your entire life. Whatever however messed up you are, um, you know, it, it's helpful to to do this. God basically that's not like a command specifically saying, I'm commanding you, but the language is pretty much, therefore do this, guys. This is how it's going to work. So it's important that we're able to, to share with each other when we struggle. It, it's not, not a weird thing as much as it feels like. It, it, I think our, our American culture has pretty much whipped that out of us and we're independent and strong and do things on our own. And uh, I think we, we miss the boat on that sometimes. So how do you become a friend like this? I'm pretty sure you're asking the wrong guy. I don't know why I'm up here talking to you right now, but here I am, okay? I'll share with you some of my history why I know I don't do well at this. Uh, My dad worked for a construction company, and we moved a lot. When a job was finished, we moved on. I moved in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th grade every year at different school. That was hard, okay? That could have gone two ways, right? I could have been like everybody's friend because I had to be the new kid that made friends with everybody. If you know me, that didn't happen, right? The other end was, I'm not going to make any friends because I'm going to lose them in a year, and that's kind of what happened to me, okay? Now, you might also say, well, you're kind of old. Wasn't that a long time ago? Yeah, like 35, 40 years ago. I can't believe that, but it's true. It was. It was a long time ago. That's formative years, and that, that impressed on me a lot. I am a whole lot better than I was. If you had known me 40 years ago, it's very, I mean, Christ came into my life too, so that changes things significantly, but still. Um, I struggle with being that kind of friends with people because I've lost so many of them. It was, it's like, you know, I'm not touching that hot stove anymore. I've gotten over it. I'm better now. I'm, I'm better than I was. I'm not better, better, but I'm better than I was. Um, so I know I struggle with that. And there, I just shared a struggle I have with you that's actually hinders my life. It messes up stuff. I can't connect with people like I like to. That was easy, wasn't it? No, it wasn't really, but there I am. That's how you just got to do, right? You got you got to be able to to talk like that with people and and let them know why you're not the way you ought to be. And then you got to fix it, right? And guess what? I ain't gonna fix it. God's gonna fix it. God's changed me. I did. I I would still sit in my room by myself if I could. Right? That's just reality. That's how I am. But God lets me know I can't do that and here I am talking to you guys, right? it's, it's the way it works. So um, it requires that, to be able to, to have those conversations and be willing to open yourself up and be vulnerable. Who wants to do that? My goodness, that is not fun. But here we are. That's what God's calling us to do, guys, to be together in these things. In fact, in a church environment like this, there's, nobody's, like forcing you to do anything, right? We all come and go as we please. People come to church, they don't come back. Things like that happen. People come for a few years and leave and never tell us why. Who knows, right? People come and go. There's no there's no uh, handcuffs around here making you do anything. But the, for us here, that's one of the reasons we value church membership so much, is because when you, you join the church, you're telling us, I want to be at that level of interaction. I want you guys to be able to encourage me and to help me and hold me accountable. Now, we don't look at the membership roles when someone asks us for help or wants an encouraging word or wants to talk and i mean nobody does that pastors people in the church nobody does that right if you want to engage people in conversation please do so um yeah that that's very much the case but that that step of church membership from our perspective as pastors from our perspective you're you're kind of saying we're we're in this together we're on the same team we're on the same page with the ideas that you're talking about here we want to be helping and encouraging and accountable to each other. And, and that that gives everybody kind of a one step past that awkwardness because it's mighty awkward to try to hold someone accountable, right? It's not easy. But that, that first bit of awkwardness can be not so hard because, hey, they've said they want to be together in this, right? So that, that we hold that value. But it is not just for voting on the budget or so you can do certain roles. Those are important things, and we have those things in place for a reason but for us really the idea of membership is that you're, you're joining the team on the same page with these kind of ideas that we're all in this together and we can help each other encourage each other and and work things out when things aren't right right that's an important thing for all of us so um, no matter where you are here remember or not follower of Christ or not I hope that you can hear this that uh, there's a better way to be right and and that doesn't mean that what we are right now is awful but there's always a better way to be. And I, I would hope that um, you can take something from here and think about the friends you have and appreciate them, right? But also think about how you can be a better friend or th- think how you can be a friend to more people and be able to encourage people to live like Jesus, to follow him in the way that brings life, right? Because at the end of the day, I talked about that self-help thing, right? If, I, if I'm nice to people and they're nice to me, everything's better. It's really true. If we all live like Jesus, if we all followed him perfectly, it'd be heaven, right? And it's not, because we're, we're not that yet. But that, that's what we have to look forward to. Those of us who've surrendered to Christ have that to look forward to. I mean, one of the things that gets me hard is, is Revelation 4, when he talk, or uh, 21, rather, verse 4, when he talks about all the things that are going to go away when heaven comes, no more tears or pain and all that stuff. That, that's, like, huge. And that's what we're looking at when we treat each other, right, is that stuff goes away, right? So... Not self-help because we can't do it ourselves. we got to have God in the middle of it. But, boy, it would be a nicer thing if we all could behave more like Jesus, right? So hopefully you can take something from this somewhere in there that will help you be that way better. And I hope for sure if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus that you've thought about that from this conversation and that if you want to do that, you would do so. And it's not magic, guys. It's just a matter of turning your life over to him. Uh, if, if you have not done that and that's something you're interested in or if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about with centering to this Jesus guy, make sure you talk to somebody before you leave. It can be one of the pastors, Sean, Steve, or I'd be happy to do that. Honestly, it could be a lot of folks in the church to be happy to talk to you about that. Right? It doesn't need to be a pastor. But if, if you haven't thought about that before, please do so. It's a matter of life and death. Guys. It's a matter of life and death. So I'm going to pray for us. The music team's going to come up and we're going to sing one last song. Heavenly Father, thank you that you, uh, you put a model before us in Jesus to be a good friend and that we can uh, hear from your word, that uh, we can abandon ourselves and, and follow you and be able to, to be a positive impact on other people's lives. What a great privilege, privilege you've given us to be able to do that, Lord. And I just pray that everybody would leave from here and uh, have, have something that they can hear from your word and apply it to their lives, and walk away a a better person. Ask all the things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.